0: Hello everyone, welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm Donnie, you're a very reflective veteran.
1: I'm Frank, getting, getting, I'm one season veteran.
0: That's true. Um, so today we are going to change up the format a little bit, and instead of specifically talking about an episode, because we just finished up season one, um, we're actually going to take some time to kind of reflect about the past season, Um, mostly so that we can kind of get our thoughts together. A lot of stuff happened this season, Um, but also to kind of look at everything side by side and see what worked during this season, what didn't work during this season, and what are some of our hopes for future seasons concerning the wild and fun times at Degrassi Community School.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, (laughs) I'm hoping... I I don't know. Well, you sent me the thing of where we're gonna start, but where do you want to start?
0: I mean, I guess kind of my my big question is: so the whole entire thesis of this podcast has been taking a veteran and taking a newcomer and trying to get through this. Um, So I guess my question to you is: what's your status right now, Frank? How are you doing?
1: I'm still want to see it through. Good. I want to. I want to. I'm still trying to understand. Like, I I understand the love in general, but, like, when you const- you say stuff like, JT is a beloved character, Jimmy's a beloved character, I'm just like,
0: why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, even as a veteran, I did have a lot of moments like that, too, where I was trying to figure that out myself. Um, and I'm going to be honest, Frank, I'm sorry. I did watch a couple random episodes from past season one this weekend um which i mean doesn't really make that much of a difference for me uh but it was kind of interesting seeing the differences and the similarities between some of the later seasons and this one um i didn't go too far i went like season three ish um and it was interesting because it really made me reflect as a veteran on how I feel about the crew that is season one. Because, um, in all honesty, even though I've grown to love a lot of the characters in season that have been featured in season one, the fact of the matter is is that my favorite characters haven't been introduced yet. Mm-hmm. Like you have not met some of the most, to me, some of the most important characters of my childhood. Um, And it's interesting because it kind of forces me to figure out what I like, what I actually do like about these characters. Because as a, you know, as a teenager catching marathons on the end, and then eventually when I did get the DVDs, um, I only had a couple seasons of it. um, I feel like I tuned in in an emotional sense really only when it was characters I cared about. Mm Mm-hmm. So, there were, like, I feel like, especially now that I'm doing this podcast and I'm forcing myself to pick this apart, it's really forcing me to confront some of the bias that I had and how little I really process certain episodes. (laughs) I feel like there were some episodes I just, like, I could not tell you what happened because it didn't feature my favorite characters unless they were (laughs) in it for one second. At all.
1: Well, I mean, also, I was looking this up, like, apparently Jagged Little Pill, was heavily edited, or I don't even think, it, like, premiered on Nickelodeon at yeah. all. So, like, <laughs> that's amazing to me, because that episode is so important, and, like, setting up season, like, setting up for season two.
0: It's really interesting, so, because, like, um, there is a two-part episode, and I'll, I'll talk about it more, and I know, like, anyone who's seen the episode is probably just wanting to shout it right now, but... There is an episode on, um, that the end just straight up did not show. Um, for, like, two years. Like, there was a two-part episode that just did not air in the U.S. for an extended period of time because of the content. Um, and you won't be surprised when you, f- find out what episode it is. You won't be surprised at all.
1: Yeah, but it just, it feels a little, it feels to me like... Like, you have a character in one episode, he has both eyes, and then, like, another episode, like, next the next episode that's aired, he has, like, an eye patch over one eye. And it's just like, what What happened?
0: What, what did I miss? Well, yeah, it's, it's like, like, how are you supposed to understand what is going to happen um, in the coming season? Like, how are you supposed to understand relationship dynamics if you haven't seen that episode? Like, yeah. It's a mystery. It's, like, suddenly, like, Ashley's an entirely different person. Um, and I mean, also, like, this happens in season one, and I'm sure this happens in other episodes, too, where, like, the Mother and Child Reunion episode wasn't shown originally in the U.S. It- they jumped to Parents' Day, I think it is, the second episode. Um, which I think has less bearing on the canon than Jagged Little Pill does.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, cause that- the only thing that- I mean, a lot, of stuff ha- a lot of stuff happens in Mother's Child reunion, but it's very... it's a, a, That episode is about introducing our four core. Yeah. Like, because um, that's really, I feel like, who we st- stick with. But yeah. Until, well, I mean, until Election Day, where Ashley and her crew... Because it's just, it's, like... Uh, uh, the main characters are Manny... Emma, Toby, and JT, and then the peripheries around them, and then yeah. Ashley, and the is around her. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It's, it's interesting because there are, like, weird little things that just are not as sequential in the U.S. airing as you may expect. And while I'm glad that we're looking at it sequentially, it is kind of interesting to think about how a lot of this content was considered, like, Important to talk about on Canadian television, and then the U.S. is like, oh lordy, like
1: <laughs> we must protect the children. Will
0: somebody think of the children? So, like, <laughs> it's interesting to look at it from that perspective, and and it's also interesting because I feel like season one, in many ways, is very tame. Like some of the episodes that I remember from DeGrassi as being very more not very racy, but more racy, definitely come from the later seasons. And, like, in the grand scheme of things, and maybe this is also because I was watching some of these episodes, some older episodes, some newer episodes in comparison to the older episodes. Like, there's, for all of the faults of season one, there is this, like, very bright eyedness to it. Like, there's an innocence to it. And I think sometimes that led to characters not quite getting the consequence that I believe that they should have. But also, it's like at the end of the day, I feel like a lot of them were able to come out of it and still be kids. It really wasn't until the later part of the season that we really saw consequences in a pretty intense way between Sean and his unhealthy relationship dynamics and Ashley going off the rails. Like, that was when we truly began to see okay, you did something bad. Now you're going to have to face the wrath that is, like, your friends or the people that you care about turning against you. It felt...
1: Yeah. Like, it did feel, like, it feels like that change from 7th to 8th grade. Yes. Where you're just like, oh, I'm still, like, brushing off my shoulders from, like, elementary school, and then as that year, like, 7th grade is an important year, I feel like. It is. Because it's just like, you're, like, I was expected to go, like, I remember being terrified, like, I have to go, like, I have to go to different classes Like, I have to go to different rooms. I'm not just being taught by the same teacher who knows me and likes me. Now I have, like, six teachers who have to balance all their, like, expectations. And, like, it's a dating sim. Um, And then, like... But by the end of the year, like, it becomes so rote and so banal that you're like, Okay, I'm ready for the next challenge.
0: It's true. It's true. Like, 7th grade is a really big deal for a lot of people. Because, like, 6th grade, you know, maybe you're changing classes, but, like, ultimately, like, your classes are probably the same group of people, etc., etc., depending on what school you go to. Some of them are actually still isolated in one classroom for the most part, um, maybe changing for once or twice during the day. Um, But 7th grade really is where you begin to see that tradition and where you begin to see the stakes. And then 8th grade, I mean... 8th grade is always weird. If you work ever worked with 8th graders or you know somebody who's an 8th grader, it's always really weird because I feel like their viewpoint is like they act like seniors but they're not actually seniors. But there is something to be said about how your social dynamics and things are going to begin to shift and it's very possible that you may end up like Ashley and start ninth grade. And not be in great social standing compared to where you were September of eighth grade. Like things can be very volatile, and I think the fact that our eighth grade characters, or characters who should have been in eighth grade, so like let's give like let's say like Sean who had to repeat a grade, like I think it's very telling that a lot of them have a lot of unrest going on, um, or their unrest has caused strife within the seventh grade group.
1: Um. Yeah. Like, I, I would love to say that the the writers knew what they were doing. And, like, in this transition, that it was all purposeful, but... Who knows? Yeah. My, like... Because I was thinking about this, because I knew we were going to be doing the wrap-up today. So I was thinking about this today, because... And what, I think I made this comparison before, that this feels very much like Doctor Who. And that, like, you can go... You can trace, like, Emma's origin... Back, basically, to the conception. Like, and you can see, you know, Spike learning to, like, being a teen, Like, a teenage mom. At least I think, pretty sure, that's what happened. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And then, like... And now, like, oh, it's just a continuation of the story. There's just been a gap. Like, um... And that, I felt... Like, then I was, like, thinking about the first season of uh, New Doctor Who. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, because... That's a rough season to watch. Not in tone, but, like, there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't work. Like, they there's a whole episode of Charles Dickens that Charles just plain is boring. It just doesn't work. Um, there's these farting aliens, which is just not surprising for Doctor Who because it's a kid's show, technically, but it's just... It's not... doesn't add anything. It's just like, oh, cheap joke for the kids. But, like... And I'm sure, like... And I was just kind of thinking about that first season. I'm like, I'm sure they're just throwing everything they had at the wall just to see what sticks. And I felt like that, that... And I was like, I think that's kind of what's going on in Degrassi. Like, where they're just like... Okay, we're not sure if we're going to get a second season. We have this run of however many episodes. So we're just going to keep throwing issues at the wall. Get as many messages as we can out there. And then if, like, we get a season two, we're starting to lock these things... But until then, just scattershot, whatever you can think of. Like uh, what's something kids need to talk about? Menstruation. Make a menstruation episode. Make a, a drug abuse episode. Make like about threatening kids for votes, like and all these other things. And especially like mother child reunion. That being the first episode, suddenly like it makes so much more sense. When I now that I've, now that I've, if my theory is correct, mother and child reunion makes so much more sense. As the first episode. Because. Like. In this new age of the internet. Which was not around. When Degrassi went off the air. I think. It was 10 years absent. I think it ended in 91. Yeah. Like. I'm assuming some of the. Some of the staff are parents. They're like. This internet thing is scaring me. Let's make it. Let's make an episode. To show kids. Hey. This is worrisome. And it has our stamp. It has the Degrassi stamp on it. So, somebody will watch it.
0: It's true, and I think that it's also very interesting that there is definitely an overlap between the creative forces behind the original form of it and then the next generation. Like, I think that there's this need to have Degrassi come back because they feel that there is something that can be said in this era. And I think that... It's interesting kind of reflecting on it in in many ways because I think there is kind of this scattershot quality to the whole entire thing. Um, which, if you've seen the original Degrassi series, I watched, like, I also watched an episode of that. I watched, like, a bunch of random season <laughs> three and season four episodes entirely out of order. And then I was like, mm, let's watch a Degrassi High episode. And I ended up actually watching the, um, The one where one of the characters actually gets an HIV diagnosis, which was really heavy in the time period, considering that it was, like, late 80s, early 90s. Um, And it's interesting because you see, oh, I also watched the first episode of Degrassi Junior High, and you see some of the storytelling, like, hallmarks of it. And you see how there's certain similarities and certain archetypes and there's certain types of characters that kind of get mirrored back or certain relationship dynamics that kind of get mirrored back in season one of The Next Generation. But the method of storytelling changes. So the way that the stories are formatted while they have A plots and B plots, they're not as, um, they're not done in a way that's as streamlined as The Next Generation. And I also think it's, and I also think that it also is one of those things where these two entities, though they obviously carry the same name and the name does have weight, they are trying to find ways to approach the challenges of the era that they're in. So in Degrassi High, a challenge is somebody who maybe doesn't meet the typical demographic of of someone who has HIV, finds out that he does have, he, he is positive. Meanwhile, degrassi the next generation's challenge is going to be the woes of the internet um and things like that and it's interesting to kind of think about it of when you have a series like this looking at what are some of the fears and the triumphs of being a teenager in one decade and what are comparisons and what how can you compare and contrast it to another decade
1: yeah because i was just like i um, while you were speaking, I was doing a quick uh, dive Susan Nielsen uh, our, our,
0: our lord and savior
1: <laughs> Wrote for Degrassi High Yep um, Now I'm
0: curious what episode she wrote
1: Yeah, I just saw that she wrote for this show that I wanted to do for teen girls all called Guinevere Jones Really? <laughs> yeah, it was about, like, Queen Guinevere and she was a teen now
0: Sweet Chris awesome. Hemsworth
1: in it as King Arthur
0: What? <laughs> No way.
1: So I was like, "Yeah, oh, this show looks dumb. I was like, "Oh my God, Susan Nielsen's on it. He
0: <laughs> wrote wrote for it." Thank God.
1: Um, so yeah, that's what I was trying to because fi- like, if she wrote for that, she would have been in her early thirties, late 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 twenties, early thirties. Mm-hmm. So now, like, ten years later, yeah, aiming at like a different a different generation, like. A next generation. <laughs> so.
0: it, it makes me more impressed with her writing in many ways. Because, like, there's something... And I, I maybe it also speaks to how... There's something to be said about the relationships. Cause I feel like her... I, I want to believe, based on her track record, anytime there's, like, a girl-centric episode, it seems like she's the one that they kind of go to. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she's able to talk about that, like, the relationship of teenage girls and how tumultuous it is but also how wonderful it is and how empowering it can be like you see that consistently in the episodes that she writes um and it's interesting to see like how she stayed on the pulse and i guess it also speaks to how in spite of the challenges and how they may be a little different between generations there is something to be said about the experience of girlhood. There's something to be said about the experience of girls having developing relationships with each other um, in any sense of the word. And it's really cool to see that an author, a writer, has been able to kind of stay on the ball in such a way. Because um, there is a challenge when you're writing something in one age and then a different age, It's especially if you're talking about writers who, some of which have probably become parents, like... You're running the risk of sounding really preachy and sounding more like, oh, this was clearly written by a parent as opposed to these are teenagers figuring stuff out.
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> I am also wondering if Susan Nielsen is just like, wait, like got the writing gig for Degrassi, The Next Generation, which she's like, wait a minute, my like. Future fan fiction of Spike, I get to write for.
0: <laughs> right. Can you imagine? She's just like, oh, I was imagining this forever. <laughs> it's like, finally.
1: <laughs> I get to make Spike the super feminist icon, parent mom I always wanted.
0: Right. Well, I mean, like, I feel like it also kind of, if it was such a convenient thing, they're like, hey, remember that character that we had have a kid in, in uh, school? Yeah. Well,. What if we were able to continue the narrative a little bit?
1: (laughs) What if the school was rebuilt after we burned it to the ground?
0: (laughs) Like, what if? Like, I mean, it is kind of an interesting premise. um, And I guess it also speaks to how it was part of the cultural consciousness in Canada um, because I feel like you can't necessarily do that with every single series. Like, yeah, you could revive it or you can zhuzh it up in a way like Riverdale did and things like that. But to actually take the idea of a story um, and then just revisit it as opposed to revamping it is is very risky. And I understand why a lot of the, I, I understand why there's a lot of conflict, especially if you read the reviews from when it came back. Um, I decided to kind of try and find some. I didn't find too many, but it was kind of interesting because you had people either feel like it was kind of repetitious and it didn't really, like, have a place. But then there were other people that were like, Degrassi is back and it's going there and we're so glad and blah, 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 blah. And it's also interesting because the, the reviews for this season are incredibly mixed. They are all over the place. Much like I think this season was.
1: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like,
0: it, it definitely reflects the season, um, which does kind of bring me to, as we're kind of reflecting on this, um, kind of like what we thought worked and didn't work during this season. Um, I don't think Jimmy worked at all. No, no, I, I don't think Jimmy worked at all as a character. I don't think he made very much sense in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. His arc does not make sense in many ways.
1: Like, because it does, there does, like, I don't even think there is, like, an arc where it's just like, he's, I didn't know who he was at the beginning. I'm still confused by him at the end, where he's just like, I'm going to beat up Sean. Like, I have so many problems with Sean. It's like, out of what? Out of where? <laughs>
0: yeah, they never really developed it. Like, we saw them have an issue, we saw that. At the dance. But it was never really developed. And, like, I understand the issue with the basketball team would definitely up the ante. It still doesn't explain that initial conflict that they had.
1: Like, this... I've heard that, you know, around season four, Degrassi gets kind of soap opery.
0: It, it specifically rebrands itself.
1: But, like, we needed... I needed a little bit of that in this first season, to understand character motivations and relationships because it's just like half the time they were so focused on the issue, like the the issue of the week, mm-hmm. I was just like, I was lost. Like so like when Jimmy's like, I'm gonna kick the shit out of Sean, I'm like, why? Like what like why do you have this huge problem? I know like I know he threatened you at the beginning. You had a problem during the basketball game. I've not seen you two interact since then. Yeah Like it's not like It was a running thing Where like If If Spinner and the lunch lady Like you know f- Three o'clock flagpole Let's make this thing happen <laughs> We'll We'll suss it out I'd be like That makes sense Cause they very clearly From the jump Had an antagonistic relationship Cause like When Jimmy first talks to Sean Jimmy is like Friendly He's inviting him to parties And whatnot And then like So then like the 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 Big problem between them is that Jimmy fouled Sean at a basketball game. (laughs) That Sean didn't even want to be there.
0: (laughs) Well, it's like, it's one of these things where I, I appreciate that Degrassi tried to address the trials and tribulations of being somebody who has to repeat a class or repeat a grade. I think that... It also was a huge deterrent because they didn't really properly fill in the gaps of what what were the interiors of these characters because of it. Like, we get Sean having a moment where he's, like, really discouraged and he's just gives up. I think that was decent. But I think ultimately, like, Spinner and Sean and their relationships to repeating classes and repeating grades, I feel like they were underutilized in many ways, because I feel like it would explain their interiors, especially in school, where we see them most of the time, a little better if they actually developed it. Like, if they went into more detail about what it was like for Sean when he was at Degrassi, before he left, If they took the time to talk about, um, more about Spinner. I think they got close with Spinner. I'm gonna give them that. I think there were moments that we could kind of fill in the gaps of how Spinner feels. But I feel like a lot of the time when I'm talking about it, I'm giving the writers too much credit.
1: Yeah, I mean, well... However, whether accidental or purposeful, like, when we came up with headcans for Spinner, like... I felt like they weren't just wish fulfillment, they were genuine. Like mm-hmm. they were something I could say, like I could say and other people could agree with me like yes, this feels like a thing that's going to happen yeah. or this thing that could happen. Like because of all the time we spent with that character. And with Sean, like Sean, I felt now at the end of things, like Sean his arc makes Sean, i like Sean. I felt like his arc with Emma up until episode fourteen makes sense. Like he starts off so angry, like you know, he um comes in like you know he comes in threatens Jimmy, like then he like storms Pat like he gets frustrated by the. Lying at the dance and just like slaps down his money and storms past, but then like he de- develops a softness throughout the um, throughout the thing, and then a lot of that softness I felt like, came from like hanging out with Emma, like and. Then, but like, then they're just like, we need some drama to go into season two, like to be kind of the hook for season two. And they're like, who can we easily do this with? Like, well, we can break up Ashley and Jimmy. Okay. That's one, but like, how about another one? Well, we can make Sean do some just heinous, heinous things. And I felt like that was just like, this does that. That's why I feel like those last two episodes just hurt. Because I can see them making sense from a certain aspect, but they don't make sense in his arc. Where he was just, developing and becoming something better. Like, I felt like a better... Like, I felt like a... I felt like a better arc would be if Jimmy challenged him to a fight and Sean refused to fight. Because just, like, I'm done. I don't want to be that guy anymore. And got, like, his head handed to him... And then just, like, and that was it. Like, but, and I know that's problematic with everything we've seen because of Jimmy, but that would have made sense for his arc, where he's just become this person. Like, I don't want to fight. I don't want to do any of these things. I just want to, like, get through this grade and move on and hang out with Emma. So then it just felt like the writers like, we'll just sacrifice Sean on the altar of drama.
0: It's also really hard when you really put it all, because, like, the thing about Sean is, like, something is bad with his family we don't have explicit but it's it's obvious that there is something up and it's always a bad it's always a bad feeling especially when you're like i mean when you're an adult you're better at reflecting on this but i'm sure even younger audiences can kind of get the same read but it's always a bad feeling when Somebody who has gone through and is dealing with some degree of mental distress and mental illness comes out as the bad guy yeah. and does the bad, monstrous thing. Yeah. it it is Is it a reality for some people that, you know, anger and controlling anger is a struggle? Yes. But in the grand scheme of things... I think that this is an issue that we still see in 2018 and I think this is going to be an issue for a very, very long time where media and people in general don't give abuse survivors an inch and they don't give them the chance to be the hero and they don't give them the chance to do the right thing. The expectation is for the sake of drama or for the sake of the trope or for the sake of whatever you know whatever societal woe the person who is mentally ill for lack of better terms the one who has survived some sort of trauma is going to strike back
1: yeah
0: especially when it's a boy yeah and it's incredibly hard for boys to find to be allowed to be tender and more importantly, in the context of media representation, to actually see examples of boys being tender. And when you look at the boys in the show, I feel like it gets even more magnified because you don't even have a boy that you can turn to in this. Because Toby White knights and thinks that he is, only, like, you know, Emma, you know, he gets, he should get something out of his relationship with Emma. JT is disgusting.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Jimmy I do think there's some bright spots in terms of his relationship stuff, but ultimately, you know, I I hesitate to give him much credit in the grand scheme of things considering his own track record. And you have and he's not tender. He's not allowed to be tender. He's the black boy. He's not allowed to be tender, period.
1: I remember like seeing A Tumblr post about this where they're just like Let black girls Be soft let them be Like gentle like let them Um Let them be graceful and just like At the end it's like let them be And like that's kind of what I feel like for for Jimmy too Absolutely
0: Because it's so hard to find Like society does not allow Black boys to be able To be Gentle um, not to say they aren't, it's just to say that media has a very, very, very biased and toxic image of what it means. And it's incredibly difficult to find that media representation. And you're definitely not going to find it in Degrassi. And if you go through the other boys, you got Spinner, who... He's tender in his own way, and might be kind of the closest in certain ways to this idea of this representation. But even then, like, it's still not great.
1: He's still just constantly hassling Mrs. Quan. Yeah. I mean, it's not... He's still... Well, the... He didn't say anything bad about Paige. It was, um... It was his
0: friend. Like, the no-name friend. Yeah,
1: the no-name friend. Oh, okay. Wow, I did not expect at the beginning of this at the end to be like, is Spinner our most unproblematic boy?
0: <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> and, like,
1: <laughs> the no, most, un, un, most unproblematic boy is Mr. Simpson.
0: Yeah, but, like, even then, like, <laughs> he's an adult. Oh. Just in terms of the boys themselves, like, the boy-aged people in Degrassi, there's not... They're not nice for lack of better terms they're not really allowed to be nice they're always fighting with each other or fighting for the attention good or bad toward women and things like that and it's it's very depressing when you really think about it how it's incredibly difficult to cheer for any of the boys in this season um i do know some boys coming down the pipeline which i really really like um And I won't, you know, give too many spoilers, but there are, like, you know, there are some good characters coming in. um, But it is really upsetting when you really think about it. Like, while you could probably make the argument that, yeah, sure, have you met boys like some of these? And were they definitely, you know, were they definitely full of flaws? Absolutely, but...
1: They were the reason I hung out with mostly girls when I was growing up.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like... But there is something to be said where, you know, this is once again an issue-driven show. Why not have a boy who does the right thing? Why not have a boy who is kind and not a terrible person? And I understand people probably make the argument of like, middle school boys are never nice. But like, there's no way all these issues, not no way, but like, most teenagers don't have every single issue of the week dumped on them in this constant stream, either. So, like, I really don't want to hear, like, unrealistic... Like, it's unrealistic to have that.
1: And, but it's also, like, yeah, it doesn't have to be 100% realistic, because it is a TV show. Exactly. And it's just, like, it's the same... It's the same thing with, um... It's the same thing with, like, why we need more, you know, POC LGBTQ characters in shows and whatnot... So that, like, to make everyone understand, like, this is not the way it has to be. Like, because, just like, it was always important for me to see characters being nice in shows. Because, like, see, the hero is being nice to somebody. It's important that I be nice to. <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> but, like my, my, like, my main hero. But well, before I moved on to actually having real people be my heroes, my main hero was Batman. Specifically, the Batman animated series, Batman. Mm, yes. Because, like, I kept seeing him, and as somebody who had depression and anxiety when I was growing up, still, <laughs> like, I saw this guy who, like, half the time, like, it didn't the day, it wasn't completely saved. Some bad things still happened. Like, Batman saw some bad things, and then he still did the right thing. And that was super important for me to see because I was just like, no matter how bad it gets for me, Batman does the right thing, and I'm going to do the right thing too, because that's the what you should do. So, just like, it doesn't have to be re- realistic if, like, yes, middle school boys are problematic, but if you give them somebody who's nice and kind, and just like, is somebody to look up to, maybe they'll try and emulate that. Just like, you know, and it's just... I didn't get any of that, but, like, like, I, I'm i kind of wondering now, <laughs> did people start emulating Toby, and is that, like, part of the plague we have of current, like, capital G, capital N, capital G, capital N, capital G nice guys, they are like, I remember Toby, I really like Toby, I identified with Toby, like, I'm not sure if there ever was a time I would have identified with Toby, but, like...
0: yeah yeah no it's very true and it's it's really hard because i feel like the girls are complicated but they still have moments where they you can kind of root for them i think i would venture to say pretty much every girl by the end of the season has at least one moment that you can be like yeah okay
1: yeah
0: and like they maybe didn't do it perfectly, but they did good enough. And I feel like Ashley's a really good example of this, especially with her relationship with Liberty, where does she handle everything in the way 100%? That's definitely how you should do it. No. But ultimately, she did good things. Yeah. And I think this goes with Paige, this goes with Terry, this goes with Emma. This goes Well, Manny Manny was just fabulous from
1: Yeah, from the jump. From
0: from the jump, like no problems there. Um I'm trying to think about missing anyone off the top of my head. But, like, they all had a moment...
1: I think the only other girl is Hazel.
0: Hazel. we, We really haven't seen very much of yet. Yeah. But, like, every girl has had a moment where you could kind of rally behind them. And in many ways, I... I, you know, you can appreciate the way the girls are written because they are complicated and they don't always get along and they sometimes make enemies out of each other. Um, But a lot of it really, it spoke, it was able to find the balance between it spoke to how tumultuous relationships are in middle school, but also you were able to still appreciate them and they were still able to appreciate each other. And it may not have always been within the course of that episode and I know things are going to look really rough going into season two with a lot of their dynamics but there were so many moments where there were strife and they were able to work through it that ultimately there was some sort of model that a viewer could watch and see these girls kind of make things work at the end of it all and kind of go you know what sometimes things suck and sometimes your friend does something wrong and sometimes you know you you pretend to be a fortune teller but at the end of it all (laughs) um
1: so, sometimes you're the, the mean girl, but you still want to help out because you know where she's coming from.
0: Exactly. Like, you can still find moments to relate and understand that while the world may seemingly be against all of you, you can still come together. Yeah. And I think that's a really important message for um, for not men to kind of hear. Yeah. Um, and I'm really glad Degrassi showed that, but it does also kind of shine an even brighter light on the boys and how very few of them really have a moment that I can really remember off the top of my head where I could definitively go like, yes, okay, cool. Because Spinner, most of Spinner's plots are getting punished <laughs> pretty much all the time.
1: Toby and JT are constantly like... Just scheming. Scheming for ill-gotten reasons.
0: Yeah, Jimmy is... Oh.
1: Sorry, I do remember the the one moment of tenderness is when Ashley and Jimmy decide not to have sex.
0: Yeah, that was good. Yeah. That was good.
1: Um, but... Yeah. And Sean also. Yeah,
0: Sean has very good moments. It's really hard, I think, it's hard for me to... It's just so hard to look at those with fully positive view because of what has happened but it's true like he did have moments that you could cheer for him in certain ways but in the grand scheme of things it's it's really difficult to kind of reflect on them and go yeah okay the boys of degrassi are pretty all right like you and obviously boys get a lot of stuff piled up on them and obviously boys instigate a lot of stuff but at the end of the day like the fact that it is hard for me to recall a time that these characters were people I could 100% champion behind. It's hard. It's rough.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think that covers, I think, what works and what didn't.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I definitely like the season more than I thought I would.
1: Yeah. Like, I felt... Like, Mother Child Reunion was a strong start, Election Day, and some of the o- other episodes left me kind of cold. Mm-hmm. Um, Basketball Diaries, and the, one other that I just really did not enjoy. But, like, all in all, like, I, I enjoyed these goofy kids.
0: Yeah, like, it really made me learn to like these characters, and I say that because a lot of these characters are characters that I was, like, fine with, but weren't necessarily my favorites. But now I, other than, like, Paige, Paige has always been a standout for me. But, like, it allowed me to actually take the time to appreciate some of these characters. Where a lot of the time my love would be sidelined because I'd be too busy concentrating on all the other characters. Um, but I guess let's just kind of go out of the way with least favorite episode. Let's just get the bad out of the way first. Um, going back to Basketball Diaries, that was my least favorite episode.
1: Yeah, I... I don't want to just. Like, I don't want to just be like a, a Greek course of like yeah, also that. <laughs> but basketball Diaries just really sucked.
0: <laughs> it was just my issue with it is I'm sure you could make the argument for other episodes being just as bad, if not worse, on a technical level. But to me, the implicate the racist implications of the episode make it inexcusable. Yeah. Period. I just, I was furious by the end of that episode. I actually paused it. I was so angry watching that episode. Where some of the other episodes I was like, eh, okay, but I can move on. I can talk about it for an hour and a half. <laughs> that, one I, that one, I legitimately felt like we were just ranting while we were talking about that episode.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like that e that plot just consumes everything. I can't remember what the B plot was.
0: I don't remember either. I'm, like, kind of flipping back, and I'm like, what was it? I don't remember. Um, that was... Oh, I think that was Ashley with, um, the plot with Liberty. And Liberty having this, the, the inability to kind of read the lines and everything, and then... Oh, yeah. Entirely totally forgot, <laughs> which, is, which is a shame, because I actually quite liked that B-plot, but, like... All I could, it's all obliterated because of the A-plot. Yeah. But, um, I'll go to the favorite episode? Sure. My favorite was Coming of Age. Friday Night. Friday Night is also very, very, very good. I feel like Coming of Age, <laughs> here's how I rationalized it, because I was very torn myself. I feel like Coming of Age is, like, the episode I feel like was what Degrassi tries to do, which is that issue of the week type deal where they're like, we're going to talk about relationship dynamics and that's going to reflect menstruation and the relationship dynamics of menstruation and stuff like that. And I feel like that was the best example of like, we're going to do an issue of the week type deal and it's going to have a really strong message and it's going to have a really important message, but also is like going to be super endearing and wonderful and it feels really... Good from like a characterization perspective That's how it edged it out But I don't know if you want to give, give your reasonings Behind Friday Night
1: Oh just um I liked that Like I love this super cute Like Sean and Emma date obviously Like that's just like such, That was my highlight of the season It was so good Because it felt like such a culmination of these two characters Neuroses And then finally like It ends in a disaster. Like, it's a bad date. Like, I tried talking to my sister about how cute this date was, and she's just like, nothing about that sounds good. It just sounds like a terrible date. I was like, but you don't understand. (laughs) Like, it's so cute. Um, And then, like, the ending is super cute. But I also liked... I mean, I didn't like seeing what happened to Mrs. Kwan. Um, That upset me. But I did like the fact that there were repercussions that Jimmy and... Spinner had to had to deal with that weren't punishment based. They were personal repercussions and like because I feel like when you just feel like when you're punished for something you're you can still be angry about being punished for it but like when it's something you know is wrong that's going to be where you actually make a change because like and we see that in the episode we're like stuck in here like it's time for revenge and whatnot. Like but like if you're just like, oh no, I messed up, I made somebody sad. <laughs> so that that's why I like Friday night is like no no teacher, no parent had to tell Spinner and Jimmy they messed up. It was just them knowing it. And I feel like Spinner grew from it and Jimmy did not.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so. no, for sure. It's and it's like, at that point, it's like, I almost just have to blame it on bad writing because I Spinner gets a decent amount of introspection throughout the season. I feel like even if he thinks he's in the right, we at least see him having to, like, mire through, like, you know, get through these consequences, even if they seem pretty weird or whatever, um, which I think is also... The only, I guess the only positive I can think of when you have a whole freaking season dedicated to this kid screwing up. Like, yeah. you can have him atone in some way. Um, but yeah, like, for somebody who gets caught up or is an accomplice to a lot of this stuff that Spinner has been involved in, Jimmy, like, never, never has any t- reflection or yeah. any, like, oh, maybe not. I mean, Ashley thinks that, what they did to Mrs. Kwan is entirely inexcusable, but I feel like that relationship is underdeveloped in so many ways throughout the season, we don't actually get to see Jimmy really be in the doghouse, which I feel like would have been the a logical different consequence that you could showcase.
1: That would have been a much better place for her to break up
0: with him. Right? It'd be like, mm, maybe you shouldn't be a terrible person. <laughs> yeah,
1: I would have dumped somebody for that.
0: I would too, honestly. But, like, I'm also older and in a position where, like, you know, I have a little more of a backbone in that situation.
1: No, I was just thinking about the time, like, I went on a date with a girl, and like, she was rude to the waiter, and I was just like, we're done.
0: Good. <laughs> As you should be. Because that's ridiculous. But, oh my god.
1: I came nearly, I came very close to, like, quoting Dumbledore at her, and then just, Uh, MC Hammer dancing away.
0: (laughs) You would have been very memorable. (laughs) You would have had that going for you. (laughs) But that's, like, so bad. But I mean, but once again, it's like, it's like, look, dude, you have consequences to being a dick. I'm sorry. And, like, I hate this because I hate that I have to always rag on Jimmy because I understand that there is, like, structural racism at play in terms of why Jimmy is the way that he is. But also, at the same time, it even if I can explain that, it's still, like, there's so little to go off of with Jimmy to really root for him. So, so much of my feelings of him are more, like, my feelings of conflict and potential, like, positivity toward him is all entirely just me being hyper-aware of the probable systematic circumstances of his character being written. So... It's it's hard. But anyway, that was that was also Friday night was honestly one of my favorites. It yeah. it was very close. I, I chose coming of age for my reasons, but I thought Friday night was a really, really good episode. I still think about parts of it and smile and I think that that's that's effective television.
1: I mean I still think about Emma just being shut up JTM menstruating. It happens to everybody, you dick. That was really good. Oh. <laughs> I would have loved if she just ended up with you dick.
0: That would have been very exciting,
1: but... Just, just imagine how better the show would be if they got, like, one hardcore swear each episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, you get one.
0: I mean, the the Degrassi, like, end of series movie from the other one said fuck, like, twice, so... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When we get to that one, oh... Which is, like... I was just trying. that no, no, I was
1: just trying to imagine where it would go in each episode. <laughs> just I be- like Jimmy knocks down Sean, like
0: "fuck you, Jimmy." <laughs> yes, like like just like one. It's like you could only use one children, and they're like, "oh man, <laughs> <laughs> only one." Why does Sean always get to say "fuck"? <laughs> it's like because Sean calls Spike by her first name. <laughs> That's why. <laughs>
1: though also um i also love friday night because of our head can't oh never mind i actually want to add a superlative
0: okay um so i'm not gonna go too hard into critics stuff because like i said it's kind of all over the place in terms of finding out some stuff about what critics said i do think it was interesting that av club made like a list of like their top 10 like what was the top 10 very special episodes of degrassi And they actually included Mother and Child Reunion uh, on that list, which, it's very gripping, and I understand why. Um, Which is funny because, like, not really funny, the topic is not funny, but, like, it's it's very odd when you think about that plot and then you think about it in contrast to that B-plot where they were, like, trying to show the old Degrassi actors (laughs) and how weird it was in hindsight because it didn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things.
1: Yeah, I... I thought this was gonna be kind of like a my so called life thing where we're gonna cut to the parents doing parent stuff and it's like you see Spike and that's you see Spike and Mr. Simpson, that's about it.
0: Seriously though, like I I really thought they were in it more <laughs> often.
1: I was just like, okay, I gotta memorize all these all these old characters' names and then just like, okay, I apparently only had to remember Spike <laughs> and Snake.
0: Yeah, like, it was really odd in hindsight, but, like, the there is something to be said about the first part of that. They also had Jagged Little Pill as, like, a runner-up on the list, which was interesting as well.
1: I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Um, It does. (laughs) Though, I just, like, I like to imagine, um, because Mrs. Quan isn't from the original series, right?
0: No. Radishes, but not... Kwan.
1: I, I just thought it would be fucking would be hysterical if Mrs. like Mrs. Kwan hears everybody calling them each other by their nickname. She's like, "Yo, I had a nickname, the Dagger." And like, do you want to explain that? She's like, "No," and just walks away. Yes. I had a commingated past snake. That's all I'm gonna say.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> she wasn't. Ra- like I said, Radish was in it, and I I did not remember this, and I was watching an episode out of context, and he was so young and so full of life.
1: Was he a teacher back
0: then? Yeah. Okay. I believe you. Like, I'm pretty certain he was. He was in a classroom. It was, like, halfway through the series, and I've only watched that series once. <laughs> For
1: all we know, he was... Like somebody he was had, doing both. He was subbing.
0: <laughs> For all we know, he was subbing, or he was also he was he was a he was a leave replacement, but also a principal. <laughs> Who knows?
1: Uh, principal Raj is really hands on. Whenever anybody's out, he'll just pop in. So like he's working the cafeteria. He's like being <laughs> janitor sometimes.
0: It's just like yeah, sure, okay, that makes sense. I'm still so puzzled by Armstrong being a phys ed teacher and a math teacher. And this legitimately bugs me when I think about it. Like, I will be driving in my car to work, and I'll be thinking to myself, I'm like, Armstrong Armstrong teaches two entirely different subjects, and i am like, like,
1: He's <laughs> just like, I've, I've um, I've uh, mastered both the, both the physical and the mental. Like. I am the perfect human being.
0: <laughs> you're not, dude, because I still think you were touching liberty for way too freaking long.
1: I, uh, <laughs> but. I meant that completely, like... No, no, I know, I know,
0: I know, I know, but, like, it was, it still makes no, there's so many weird school structural things that, like, I understand nobody thinks about except for me, but I still think about them, and they still haunt me, like...
1: Yeah, I've stopped thinking about it, like, it's not part of (laughs) my...
0: I I can't stop. I can't stop thinking about it. And I understand I'm a fun sucker, but that's also why I'm on a podcast overanalyzing, show, like, a show from the early aughts. <laughs> but, um, so, so that was cool. So, like, there were some spotlights of those. Um, season one just, I don't want to say isn't memorable. I think that there are some episodes that people remember. I think people remember Emma getting her period. They remember the opening episode. Um... But ultimately, a lot of the the stakes get higher in later seasons. Probably
1: not. Like, yeah, that's that's the, the word I keep hearing, and just like my brain is like, okay, so by season nine, mech suits.
0: Oh please! <laughs> oh please! Like
1: Jimmy and Sean just like gonna hop in Gundams, like time to finally finish this for good. <laughs>
0: please. <laughs>
1: like oh my true gosh. Gundam rivals.
0: Oh my gosh, that would keep that would keep me on my toes. Um but yeah, so
1: Spinner goes super saiyan. Like,
0: stop he would. He'd be like living his childhood dream because clearly he also is a big Dragon Ball Z fan. Okay. Obviously. Um, but let's go to because we are watching a show about high school, let's talk superlatives. So we all know what superlatives are. You get a title of some sort, and usually you nominate somebody in your class for such a quality. Um, but, you know, we're gonna kind of go bit by bit. Maybe we'll have similar ones, maybe we have different ones. Frank, you know my selections, though so maybe I'll change it up on the fly because I feel like it. I don't know your selections. So let's go with our first con- usual one, which is best all around. So, a character who all around is pretty awesome, pretty solid. etc. Terry. Terry. I said Manny.
1: I mean, th- the main characters are not perfect, But they have perfect best friends.
0: It's true. It's true.
1: Like, Manny was always there for Emma. Terry was always there for Ashley. Even when Terry probably shouldn't have been there for Ashley.
0: (laughs) It's true. It's true. It's like, Emma, though she screwed up, and like, though she and Manny had their tiff about Spirit Squad... I feel like that is small potatoes to your friend taking ecstasy and alienating literally every single one of your mutual friends.
1: <laughs> um, yeah.
0: But, I, you know, Manny is a really good friend. She's great. She's supportive. She still has autonomy. She's still going to try and, like, you know, you know, nudge you a little bit. But ultimately is a really good friend, and I really appreciate her. I
1: mean, yeah, like, Manny... Manny, I just love that Manny's always there. Like, is, even when her leg is hurt, she's like, I'm still gonna, like, be on stage and use my crutch as a gun.
0: <laughs> it's really good. It's so, so good. Yeah.
1: We all needed a friend like Manny growing up. We
0: did. and And I think even, like, Terry, too. It's like, you need somebody to be there for you, even if you are a little boneheaded at times. You need somebody who is going to be willing to, not always, because, you know, we don't want it to be a codependent kind of situation, but you are willing to pick up their pieces if they need to. Um, biggest flirt, Paige. Paige. That's that's not even, like, a discussion. Yeah. She, she is. She's a go-getter. She gets what she wants.
1: <laughs> like, and good for her. Yeah. Like.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> like,
1: hitting, kissing somebody else's boyfriend. Not great, but good for her for knowing what she wants and going for it.
0: Oh, yeah. I agree. I... Y- y- there you go. Period. Um, class clown. Yeah. Um.
1: <laughs> Wait for my explanation on this one. JT. But only uh, because... Hang on. Okay. But only because I think most people are laughing at him behind his back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this was like so hard for me and i gave it to spinner because at least once or twice he was kind of funny <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh. yeah he has some good moments like um oh, he has like oh like his one like he made me like laugh you know he made me lol when like he's watching the talent show of emma and emma toby and man she's like it's just, it's just too easy. <laughs> like, like, the quiet knowledge of just, and like I don't know. Yeah, like, Spinner as well. But like, I think JT inspires more unintentional laughter than actual laughter. Where I was like, he's just like awful, <laughs> and they just start making fun of him, and they make themselves laugh.
0: Yeah. No, I. I, I, I am haunted by Spinner's one line where, he, like, Emma's walking past and he's like, oh, look at her. Look at her. She's got, she's got a heart on. And I, like, watched that episode with someone and, like, I watched with someone, like, this weekend and the person I was with was just like, is this just a joke about having a heart on? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, like, none of us could really confirm it. That was the thing. It was so unclear that we were like, I think that's the best closest way we can give this kid credit anyway at least it was thought-provoking and for that spinner you are class class <laughs> cutest couple um this is hard because half of these are Yikesville
1: I'm gonna I'm going to uh, go off script a little bit Manny and Emma hell yeah Platonic couple, but still a couple.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah, baby. I forced myself to pick something heterosexual. Um, and I went with Terry and Spinner.
1: I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Because they, they're they sweet to each other.
0: Yeah, they're, like, actually nice to each other.
1: Paige!
0: <laughs> I know, I know. But, like, especially because, like, they're pretty, like, cool with each other in Jagged Little Pill. That it makes me hold out that something will still be able to happen.
1: God, I would, like, all the pain of Jack a little pill would have been evaporated if Spinner was just, like, after he hands Ashley the box, he's like, hey, Terry, if you need to talk about this after, just, you know, just give me a call. Yeah,
0: right, <laughs> just, like, go little call me. <laughs> like, hey. I
1: know, I know you need some support right now. Anyway, I'm out and Spinner.
0: Right? Like, that's how I feel, like, I feel, I don't know, like, I I thought about it because like I have some same gender ships but they're not really with characters here yet. (laughs) Um, But I think ultimately I I feel like I just like their dynamic. It was sweet. It's really this is the nicest about me about a heterosexual couple of any sort ever. So give me that. They're very sweet and it's nice.
1: Yeah. Um, But yeah like I feel like Manny and Manny and Emma have the best relationship in this yep. series. Like, even when they have, like, they have their falling out over the cheer squad, like, it gets wrapped up in a he- way that's healthy for both of them.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. And, yeah, like, I think at the end of the day, that's that's been an aspect of the show that we've always had super positive feedback toward, which is their dynamic. It always comes back to their dynamic in many ways. Yeah. Um, Life of the Party... Liberty. Ooh, explain.
1: I feel like if Liberty had gotten a chance to actually cut loose, she would have been a lot of fun. If she wasn't overwhelmed by Ashley's, like, ecstasy, you know, problems.
0: I agree. And you know what? I'll give you that. I like that. I like that a whole lot, actually.
1: Because, like, Liberty, like, got the invite to the party and was like, yeah, whatever. And, like, she bought red cowboy boots. You know that girl knows how to have fun.
0: (laughs) It's true, though, because it's like there's this part of her that seems to be unlocked in the later part of the season. And it would be really nice and, like, to kind of see her under circumstances where she could properly, like, enjoy herself. Because I feel like there's a lot of things working against her constantly, even now where she's a little more loose, a little more fun, a little more mean in a good way. Like, standing up for herself more, being assertive. Um, it would be nice to kind of be able to see that full, fully realized. Yeah. Um, I said Paige, but she's the straw that stirs the drink, so, like...
1: Yeah, I mean, like, Paige is always looking for that good time. Oh, yes. So. Uh,
0: most athletic. I give to Sean, because I would love to see him be really mad getting the <laughs> award. <laughs> um, I'm
1: actually... I'm going to say Manny. Okay. Because, like, Manny is constantly busting out, like, sick, you know, backflips and whatnot. Um, She tries out for, like, she tries out clearly is the best for the cheer squad.
0: It's true. She's, like, low-key, very, very athletic. Yeah. I like it. Uh, Most Changed.
1: I'm gonna have to say liberty too.
0: Yeah, I said Liberty. Um I really am intrigued by this shift in the later part of the season. I hope it's something that carries through into next season. Um, I like her being this way, and I feel like it's kind of interesting seeing her trying to figure out herself, especially as she goes into eighth grade, where I feel like eighth grade is kind of that it is such that unstable time in your life that it's would be kind of interesting to see her. Trying things out and pushing herself and maybe going too far sometimes, but learning how to scale it back.
1: Yeah, I I want her to become class president. Yeah. But it, like, it also just makes... (laughs) So, um, I watched the first season of... I just, last night, I just powered through, like, the last eight or so episodes of, um, My Hero Academia. Heck yeah. And there's one character, and they're like, okay, there's the class, class representative this character named Aida. And then, like, the class has to vote on it, and they name, um, the the Deku kid. Izuku. Izuku. Um, him. And I'm like, alright, that's interesting. I really thought it was gonna be that dude. But then at the end of the episode, everybody's just like, no, it has to be him. Like, he got us through, like, a crisis.
0: I love Ida. Yeah. He's such a good boy.
1: And, like, that's... Like, you just see certain characters, like, you should be in charge. Because, like, I feel like Liberty can grow, like, Liberty has already started the, um, I know, like, high school president, or class president, is just, like, it's not really, oh, it doesn't have that much power, but, like, out of all the kids, I feel like Liberty is the one most growing into a leader.
0: I agree with that.
1: I mean, she's already the editor of the paper, like...
0: She low-key has a lot of things on her resume already. Yeah. And I she doesn't get enough credit. And it's like weird because it's like is Emma doing stuff? Yeah. But like I feel like ultimately like for characters that are very very similar like Liberty is the one that seems to be really making the most waves and having the most clout in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Like she runs the paper. She can put in stuff, she can you know, do certain editing and she controls the announcements and all of that type of stuff she has an incredible amount of ability to do something whereas Emma has like written an article maybe done a couple of school projects and cares not to say that she doesn't care and not to say that she's like worse or anything but it's interesting to see how active liberty is without really being acknowledged for it whereas Emma is not as active but gets very much acknowledged for it yeah It's just interesting. I find their comparison, I find the comparison between the two of them very, very compelling in this season. For, in a way that I never really thought of before. Um, Most likely to succeed. I said Liberty.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) With that said, perfect segue. I feel like she has what it takes to succeed. And I said this before, like, Liberty is so incredibly relatable to me as a teacher. Like, I have taught Liberty. I have taught that student a couple times at this point. Um, and as long as they don't burn out, they have a tendency of doing really great things. Yeah. And I think that's going to be Liberty's kind of struggle a lot of the time, where you do have a student who's incredibly gifted, and you have a student who is, has a lot of potential, but she needs to be nurtured and encouraged to explore these things. Um, and I don't know, it's just, she's a good kid, um, I was kind of reading up on some people's reflections on Liberty um, yesterday and some people were talking about, and I wasn't very active in the fandom, I can't speak to this, but apparently a lot of people dogpiled on Liberty, which isn't very surprising. We got a black character in fandom and that never goes well in any fandom. Um, but it's, it's more discouraging, I feel like, as an adult because she's probably one of the realest characters to me. And to see that she was not appreciated by fandom and probably still isn't really appreciated by fandom is upsetting because I think she's, she's a great, she's a great character in many ways.
1: I feel like it's also like Liberty probably, at least at the beginning, probably reminds people a lot of that one annoying person they knew growing up. Oh, yes. But like, yeah.
0: Like, It's also, I think it's also easier for an adult to kind of reflect on it and go, oh, okay, I get it. She had growth. Yeah. Then if you're, like, a younger person, then you just think of that person you hate from your class.
1: Yeah. But I also definitely agree with your your points about her being a character of color.
0: Yeah, no, it just, it, fandom just has an incredibly messed up perspective on characters that are not white especially like just especially when they're women and it unfortunately happens and seemed to be a big issue in fandom with liberty admittedly like i was not really active in the degrassi fandom i was kind of on the end boards but I, you know, I wasn't particularly active in terms of, like, fan work. Like, I did, like, maybe one or two little fandom exercises about characters that I will not talk about until they get there. But, ultimately, I was I just wasn't super active. I can't speak to what it was like. Um, also, like, a lot of the big ships were het. I just was not interested. Um, most unforgettable. Paige. Yeah.
1: What? I don't want to be contrarian, just for, like, I know we're agreeing on a bunch of these, but there's no point in being contrarian for contrarian's sake. Sometimes the things are obvious because they're obvious.
0: It's true, especially when it's, like, a show targeted toward teeth.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, we saw Paige, like, there was, like, one episode, we saw Paige for two seconds, her talking about having a French accent, I think we talked about it for, like, five minutes.
0: It's true, it's just, like, she's a delight, she's so compelling, um, and I just, I just love her. I, I understand that she's not perfect. I am one. Of, I would like to believe I've been pretty hard on her when it comes to the things that she's done wrong. But at the end of the day, she's great television. Yeah. Um. And then finally, most unique.
1: Oh, I, I Emma. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, think about Emma. And the re- reason why I was able to rationalize this is like she's a unique character in certain ways. Um. It's also really interesting because I was talking to some veteran fans. And she's a lot of people's favorite character. Makes sense. I was kind of surprised. I mean, there's certain characters that I, I was very attached to and I had friends that were very attached to. But a lot of people, like, when they thought about it, they were like, I really liked Emma. And they were like, I... And they were kind of surprised themselves. Like, they were thinking about it. And they were like, oh, I really liked her. And I feel like there's this kind of slow burn quality to her, kind of, where it's like she's always kind of there she's always kind of involved because of her the you know for the structural reason and though she doesn't always i guess in season one it doesn't really count because two of the major moments in the series really have to do with her in the grand scheme of things like some of her plots are not as provocative as some of the other characters and many people would argue probably not as important in terms of like major representation of marginalized groups etc etc But there's something very relatable to her. If you were a kid who cared about stuff, and maybe you weren't the Liberty, who was super involved with everything, but you still cared deeply and didn't always know what to do about it, you related to Emma. Yeah. And I think, like, any person who gives a crap about the world, but didn't always know what to do with it, could find a connection with her.
1: Yeah. Um... Plus, like, as her her character status as, like, you know, one of the mains. Like, um, even if, like, you didn't agree with her on some of the issues, like, if, like, she's still such a force. like Yes. And, like, I'm kind of, like, that's the, I don't know this series, I don't know at what point Emma exits, or if she ever exits, but it's just, like from the jump I'm just very invested in her journey because it's just like we start seeing her in this like horrible situation and then from there like she gets into trouble bad things happen but like she keeps going Mm -hmm. and it's just nice to see
0: yeah no it's very true um definitely re-watching this is making me appreciate her more Um, And talking to people and hearing about how much she means to people is also kind of leaving a mark. And I feel like by the end of it, my feelings toward her, like, I feel like I'm going to have more tangible feelings than I used to. I used to kind of not ignore her, but, like, she just wasn't one of my top tier favorites. I was not going to be as active or engaged when she was on. But this time around, I've really taken more of a liking to her. I also think another thing that makes her very unique is her aesthetic. It is incredibly wild. It is really fun in many ways. And I don't think it always works. I think some of the hairstyles are really bad. I think...
1: I'm trying to remember which of our guests it was just like, oh god, that crimped hair.
0: I think that was Kirsten. Yeah. <laughs> like, she has moments that don't always work, but I like the risks. And also I will never forget like her like flared pants with like the dolphins on it and everything.
1: And will never forget Mama Onu.
0: <laughs> I will never I will never forget Mama Onu. My voice becomes deadly serious when talking about Mama Onu. <laughs> My god. <laughs> I love Mama Onu. Yeah. But I think ultimately, like, for all of her faults, I quite like her. And I can actually say that now, which I really appreciate.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so I guess just kind of to kind of start wrapping this up, because, you know, we want to get to season two and we want to get to the book that we're going to read before season two. Um, but um, what are some of the hopes that you have for the next season? A
1: very extensive Sean redemption arc Okay And I know like I don't want to be so black and white That I'm like I can't forgive Sean for the th- things he did At the end of season one But I'm not going to be easily forgive, Like easily forgivable of like the th- Of the things he did So it's go- like I'm mean, going to need a lot of Sean Just being a better person and acknowledging his faults and, and trying to change.
0: And I think, yeah, I think that big trying to change piece, I think it's really important to see some form of rehabilitation happening in some way, shape, or form. It's obvious that while the social work may may help a little bit and, like, the techniques the social worker is giving may, may be, you know, helpful, it would be good to see kind of a... Kid properly dealing with this maybe in different ways because sometimes your treatments don't always work and sometimes you have to adjust and sometimes you have to find new things and sometimes like you know you're going to have to try out different types of people and different types of treatments before you can really see if it really works.
1: Yeah. Um, also, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the fallout from Ash uh, from in Ashley's social circle. Yes. Um, though I do like I, I forgot. I wanted to say one other superlative. Favorite headcanon from season one.
0: My favorite headcanon from season one, it's that Sean is bisexual, obviously. Okay. <laughs> Mostly because I've said it to multiple people and everyone's like, Yeah, that tracks. Like it's like, <laughs> oh, what's your reason? Oh well he's into astrology. Everyone's like, Yeah, yeah, I know, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> um, mine is uh the headcanon we developed for him going on his first date with Emma. <laughs> like- Trucker Ch- like, put on the turn that you look like an artist.
0: That literally plays in my head sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Um. So yeah.
0: But um. But yeah. So I think, I I you know I'm. There's some interesting stuff down the pipeline. I really hope you like it. I'm glad you still want to make it through.
1: Yeah. No. I'm. I'm in for the long haul. Thank God. Um, so, uh, I guess I'll get final grade. Uh, I give season one a B-. minus. Okay. And a note that says, you can do better than the see me after class.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, 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 yes.
1: Um, we need to talk about the Jimmy issue. <laughs> um, I agree. But, yeah. Um, but what I want... So, and I do have a recommendation, because I realize I've gone this whole show... We've done, uh, this will be like episode 16, 14, 15, whatever, it'll be an episode. <laughs> um, I've never recommended my favorite spaceship show, Battlestar Galactica, on this. And, like, people have, like, whenever somebody be like, oh, Kirk or, Kirk or Picard, I was always like, Adama. <laughs> um, I'm talking about the new remake from 2004, 2003? I, right around this time, too. And, oh. and I actually featured a bunch of Canadian actors, too. <laughs> hmm. But, um, it's West Wing on Spaceships.
0: Yeah. I don't really have, like, a recommendation right now. Huh. I mean, I feel like you get a pretty good read on what I'm into. I mean, I'm finally reading the Percy Jackson series, and I'm enjoying that. So I started that.
1: I, ne- I never, like, that never kind of, like, was a blip on my radar. Maybe it should be.
0: I I ha- don't really read that much middle grade, even though we're going to be doing that next week, um, but I decided I'm going to read it, and so far it's very whimsical and p- heavy at times. Like, it really is challenging my understanding of, like, what middle grade is.
1: <laughs> that reminds me, I-, I would also now like to recommend the Skullduggery Pleasant books, which is just... Uh, like, it's a, it's a skeleton detective, um, a skeleton detective in Magic World. Interesting. <laughs> and he joins forces with a young girl who also, I think, has an awesome name. Um, but his name is skull Re-Pleasant.
0: <laughs> Good. I've and, never heard of this.
1: And I was also just, like, well, I was reading it, and then I'm like, okay, this is going pretty okay. And then, like, at a certain point, a thug, like, chokes a... Um, chokes a 12 year old like and trying to kill her and i'm like oh no
0: <laughs> is this a middle grade book
1: uh yeah i think so oh
0: my god middle grade is far more intense than i thought it was by the way i really thought middle grade was like whatever this is what he looks like oh i see so delightful
1: um yeah her um her name is stephanie uh, Edgeley, but uh, you have to come up with a name because names have powers in this world of magic. So she comes up with, with Valkyrie Kane.
0: I love it. So good.
1: And she's pretty badass.
0: <laughs> good, but um, yeah, no, I guess which kind of brings us to as we're kind of closing this up. Um, We've got one more episode before we go to season two. Um, there's a lot of stuff in season two. I really can't wait to get to. Um, but we wanted to take a quick break before we kind of got through, got deep in it. Um, especially because there are some doozy episodes in season two, and and self-care is important. Um, So if you are interested, we are going to read a book. Frank, if you'd like to intro it a little bit.
1: Uh, It's called, it's by Susan Nielsen. What, what? Woo! Um, And it's called uh, Dear George Clooney, Please Marry My Mother.
0: Yeah, so uh, we are going to read it. We're going to try and pick it apart. So the format will probably have similarities to how we usually run an episode, but it will be a little different because we're reading a book. Um, it is one that you can find fairly easily. So if you're interested in checking it out and kind of seeing seeing how it goes, uh, don't hesitate to. Um, I have not been able to, I'm going to, I'm going to speed read it once I get it, but that's easy enough it's
1: not it's not that it's a very quick read
0: i figured but um very excited to see because apparently i think like i said last i think i said this last week this was her what she was trying to do like she got kind of caught up in the writing of degrassi and stuff like that and she was you know doing that but her goal ultimately was to be a white like a middle grade ya author
1: I, like, she She reminds me kind of like Bruce Tim, where she just keeps getting more work, but she's like, no, I really want to do this. It's like, we're here, at have this project, really want to do something else. Like, here's this other project. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, like, I think it bears a lot of resemblance. Because
1: but... Bruce Tim was just hand shows, like, I want to do Batman Beyond. I was like, okay, cool. I'll, you know, I'll do that.
0: Yeah, like, I think it's a lot of that for her, but we're going to read it. Um, and then we're gonna start up season two, uh, which brings me to my next point. Um, I have quite a few people potentially lined up for guests, but obviously, am um, we are always receptive toward having more guests come in, and I encourage you beforehand, especially if you're a veteran, to kind of look at some of the summaries ahead of time and see if there's any episodes that particularly speak to you. If you want to appear as a co-host, feel free to email us at ihopepod@gmail.com. at gmail.com. um, and Also, you can email us with either a paragraph or an audio file about you talking about your relationship with a character, with an episode, or something like that, even if it's an episode that happened that we've already covered. Um, We will read it on air or play it on air um, and all that type of good stuff. Uh, There are some really important characters coming up soon, uh, some of which are my favorite characters and some of which had a profound impact on me as a person. Um especially with regards toward my identity. So, and I know other people feel this way too. So please, please, please make sure that um, if you want to have your voice heard and have your thoughts validated, this is a great way to do so. Um, If you want to get in touch with us on other ways relating to our podcast, we have a Facebook group called I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast. Uh, You can also check us out on Tumblr and Twitter where we are at ihopepod and feel free to at us, ask us questions, ask us for our hot takes that maybe don't always make the cut of the podcast and all of that good stuff. Um, If you want to talk to me personally, you can catch me on Twitter at DMIsUnbreakable where you can talk to me about personalized takes on the Degrassi episodes um, and see my weird writing things that I do from time to time.
1: I'm uh, at StuckDancing uh, on Twitter. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> no. Um, but in all seriousness... Thank you so much for supporting us for this first season. Uh, It has definitely been an interesting time on our end. Um, Though, Frank, you have a lot of experience with podcasts at this point. I do not. (laughs) (laughs) And it's been very, very interesting learning the craft and also revisiting a lot of this stuff and kind of figuring out and making sense of where this series fits in my life. After it was such a component of my teenage years.
1: I have to say, as somebody who never did a podcast before, you did come in like a pro. Like, Thank you. Like, the whole structure of our show is all Donnie. Like, Thanks. Well, it's,
0: well, I had to do something because you do all the editing. That's yeah,
1: it's fine. Like, but anyway.
0: Well, we hope we can make it through.
1: <laughs> Thanks for making it through with us. And enjoy the tender strings of us singing along to some Degrassi songs on the way out.
0: Oh, hell yeah. Let's do it.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Degrassi, for including
0: a karaoke track on your TV teams. Hell yeah. Let's go. <laughs>
1: Double jointed, triple thread I'm not some method actress Trying to see my, my descent you gonna have to play the tape backwards Save that breath for choir practice Got no time for my detractors Standing on my staircase All you are is a fire hazard I've put my time in now I'm vetted, uncontested See how non-ass answer shuts down Motherfuckers asking trick questions
0: I'm out here arms wide, hiding nothing I've done it all in broad daylight And I left the cameras running it